Teal Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 18. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 18 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. Today, we're speaking with Chiara Mascarenas. Chiara is co-author of The New Team Habits, A Guide to the New School Rules, a book based on her work with hundreds of schools and districts about how to achieve school goals through teamwork and innovation. Chiara is the creator of the New School's Rules Toolkit works with Education Elements as a managing partner, and writes the weekly Kiki Brief and for the Bring Your Own Thoughts blog on the Education Elements website. So welcome to the podcast, Kiara. Great to have you here with us today. Thanks so much, Lynn. Thanks, Randy. So let's get our conversation started with a personal story about how you've developed this curiosity for habits and skills, which are really critical for teams to be effective as they work towards their goals. Yeah, I think I have kind of two stories that intersect into why I've become interested in teams in particular and habits as a way to change team culture. First was um, many years ago, my first job right out of college was teaching. Um, it was my first, you know, full-time adult experience. And I had never been trained on how to collaborate with other adults, right? Certainly most of us do projects in school. We might learn some collaboration techniques kind of passively with our families. But what I realized when I started as a teacher and we were asked to collaborate with our grade level teams is that most of us didn't know what we were doing. And in this particular school, we didn't get a lot of support um, on how to do that. Luckily, I got to work in other schools and since then now have been able to support close to a thousand schools and districts. And I see that some schools are actually quite good at teaching adults how to collaborate and students how to collaborate. And so I got really interested in um, what does it mean as an adult and as a student to learn what really strong collaboration is and where is it happening well. So I kind of obsessively <laughs> searched the country um, and the world to study organizations both inside of education as well as outside some of the leading organizations in terms of collaboration and innovation like Amazon, Google, Twitter, Starbucks to see what is it that they're doing that it's making their organizations run more effectively and making people really want to stay and work there. So, so that was the inspiration for why I care about teams. And then habits, I think I, I have been pondering for a number of years as I support a lot of leaders and leadership teams in particular, how do you change behavior? How do you change culture? I think in education, we live in the big goal zone a lot, right? We have big goals for student achievement. We have big goals for teacher retention. We have big goals for culture but it wasn't always clear to me how you made those little changes um, on a day-to-day -day basis that add up to that big shift. And the more I read the research around habit change, it felt to me like that was really the place we should be starting, which are what are the everyday practices we can bring into our work that will add up to that. We think of it as in the new team habits as a ripple that will add up to that big ripple, that big impact um, progress towards our big goals. So that gives us some insight into your background uh, that led you to this this passionate work. And I think one thing that's interesting about it is it's it's based in your practice. So describe for us, what is your practice that has sort of evolved into um, developing this framework of habits that you present in the book? We, at Education Elements, we're really lucky that we work with schools and districts across 
almost every state in the country. And so a lot of my work uh, originally when I started at the organization, gosh, almost eight years ago with um, Anthony Kim, the CEO and founder and one of my co-authors was thinking about how we make change inside of classrooms. And so a lot of focus on how we change the interactions between students and teachers, how we improve teaching and learning. And one of the things that I really noticed in this work was that if we only focused on the classroom and didn't change the ecosystem that supported teachers and students, that change was often um, not able to sustain, right? So if that one teacher left or if the climate changed, the leader changed, all of that work that we put into changing the environment for students um, could fade away. And so really started thinking about how do we change the working environment um, in terms of how leaders show up, how teams work together, make decisions, collaborate. Um, and in some cases, we're even thinking as big picture is how do we change the structure of the organization and how roles are set up and power is distributed. So from working with all those school districts, you synthesized it down to these three habits, which we're going to talk about uh, in our next question, I think. Yeah, so let's hear about what are those three habits and more and more importantly, like why are they important for teams as they do this heavy lifting of working towards their goals? Yeah, um, this is the, the thing that I'm most proud and was also the most challenging in writing this book is we realize not everyone has the luxury of hiring a consulting organization like Ed Elements or another group. And so we really wanted to create a workbook that any team could use, that any leader could use without ever meeting Anthony Kawhi or I. Um, and so we really had to be disciplined in picking only three habits. I'm sure if I asked both of you right now, you could think of at least a dozen habits that would have a really positive impact. But we tried to think about what are those keystone habits that if you get this right, everything else is a little easier mm -hmm. and where it has the lowest um, upstart energy, right? The lowest resistance to change, one that we think is relatively easy to get started. And so that's how we pick these three. Um, we really tried to think first about what are the buckets of work that every team does every day or at least every week. And so we thought every team is trying to learn, right? They're trying to get smarter um, individually and as a collective group. Every team is in meetings. I think the current statistic right now is that the average adult worker in the U.S. spends 57% of their time in meetings. I think for many district and school leaders, it's even higher. And projects. Um, almost every team is leading or participating in projects. And so we thought about what's the habit for each of these to make a better culture of learning and innovation, to create better meetings that people actually want to go to and achieve the goals that you have for moving work forward and for projects. Um, and I can share each of those habits if it's helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, so for learning, the, the small habit, and again, we think of these like a little pebble that you throw into the water, and, and sometimes they can seem so simple, but again, the habits as we define them are the things you do every day without thinking about it that become part of your identity. Um, so, you know, brushing your teeth might be something you do every day. You don't think about it anymore, but it has a huge ripple effect on your mouth health, your life expectancy maybe your ability to make friends. And so we think <laughs> the same is true for these um, work habits and the impact that they have on your team's identity and your team's culture. So the learning habit is we talk about mistakes. And we think this is the most important thing that leaders can do to humanize themselves, to model vulnerability, and ultimately to improve their team culture, to create more trust, um, to create more innovation, and to create more sharing. And so many leaders and teams we talk to say we have an issue with 
sharing, right? We don't hear all voices or some people don't feel safe to share, Mm -hmm. or I wish that our team was more creative. And so we think talking about mistakes, it's really anchored in the research of Amy Edmondson, who's a researcher at Harvard, who um, coined the term psychological safety, which is the idea that in certain cultures, people feel safe talking about mistakes, asking questions, questioning authority, admitting they don't know something. And these are um, proven to be time and time again, the highest performing teams. Hmm. In fact, Google released a big study that's gotten quite a bit of press called Project Aristotle. And in that they said that creating this environment, this culture of psychological safety, where it's safe to talk about mistakes is the number one factor that makes some teams better than others. Um, And they spent $20 $20 million, two years, studied hundreds of teams and found that it wasn't the degree you had, how much experience, who's on the team. It was truly about how you interacted with each other and especially how frequently folks were discussing mistakes. So that's why we think this is that critical habit. So that's that's learning. And we, we often start with that habit because it, it starts to shift that culture of trust. Um, the second habit is around meetings and how you use meetings in particular to improve your team culture. And that habit is we lead check-ins. Check-ins are something you do at the start of a meeting to increase presence and engagement. So a check-in question might be what's occupying your mind as we start this meeting. It could be something serious, like what's a mistake you learned from this week or something fun, like what was your childhood nickname or what's the best thing you ate this week? And so a lot of our work with teams is thinking about what kinds of check-in questions should we be asking to achieve more belonging, inclusion, and equal talk time in meetings. Um, So it's been really neat to see. We've probably worked on this habit with the most number of districts and schools. Um, And you start to see even just with this small five, 10 minute practice at the beginning of meetings where each person has a sacred space to share and is able to share more about their whole selves, their personal and professional selves, that you start to see walls come down and you start to see people interacting, not just as I'm the superintendent, you're the CFO, but we're both dads, right? Or I'm a teacher and you're a principal, but we both didn't sleep well last night. And so people start to have a lot more empathy and compassion for each other, which we really think helps to shift the the engagement in the meetings and ultimately the work you get done together the rest of the day. So that's been a favorite for a lot of schools and districts. And then the third and final um, habit is around projects. And this one, I think we had the most debate about because there are so many things you could do to change the way projects are run. Um, And where Kawhi and Anthony and I landed after many, many weeks of debate and a lot of back and forth and conversations with leaders was that if more teams could simply kick off projects, we think it would have the biggest ripple effect in terms of the clarity and engagement folks would have in the project management and project planning process. So we have a video actually on our website. I can share if you want to link it to the interview where we show. Absolutely. um, Yeah, we show our team kicking off a project in a terrible way. But when we showed this video to 50 leaders from around the country a week ago, everyone raised their hand and said, I've been that person. I know that person, right? The person who shows up late, the know-it-all, the leader who doesn't have a clear vision. Um, And unfortunately, so often we miss this opportunity at the beginning of projects or the beginning of a new chapter of a project to really align on what is the work we're doing, what is your role in it, um, and what's our roadmap. And so um, a lot of the work we're doing with teams 
around this habit is simply thinking about how do you create more clarity so that folks actually feel like I have an important role to play in this project and I know where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think, heartbreaking to hear some of this. We hosted a National Leadership Institute on the book a few weeks ago in Denver. And one uh, d- district leader from a Colorado district said, you know, we brought everyone together for a town hall, hundreds of people across our community, across our schools, across our district, business people, families, staff, and we we didn't really clarify what we were doing. So all of that time and energy kind of faded away and, and was wasted. And I think sometimes we, we do that because we don't take the time to actually kick off the work. So the hope is through all of these habits, they help to address a pain point. And I've kind of talked about those and that's why I'm interested to hear if any of these land particularly with you, Lynn and Randy, but really thinking about there hopefully are many great things happening on, on teams, on both of you, on all of your teams. Um, but where do we have a place that's holding us back? Where is our way of working holding us back from achieving the goals we have for our students and for our staff? Yeah, and I think uh, the one that resume, resonated with me was the projects one and mm-hmm. wondering if some of the uh, ideas that you have outlined in the book would benefit uh, because we do work on so many projects and are there, are there, I think there's room in all these areas that we can improve in, but I think that one might be one that uh, I would really like to explore mm-hmm. more with our team. Yeah, I agree. I think one we probably do do better is sort of the community building connection questions at the beginning. I mean, we've pretty, we've been pretty intentional about starting every meeting with some sort of check-in, whether it's, you know, a word about how you're feeling or your favorite Thanksgiving leftovers. So we had a good conversation about that one one day. Um, But something like we've, we've become a little more intentional about just some social engagement, um, small group and large group. But I think I would agree with Randy that we, there's an opportunity there. Sometimes we are probably too operational about kicking things off and time, is um, a perceived barrier from maybe implementing mm. some of those some of those better ideas that you're sharing that sort of pay off in the long run if you invest the yeah, time I've, up front. I've absolutely been there. I realized um, I was leading a project where you know it felt like we had to get it done, and so we just jumped right in. And it was only weeks later I realized that the <laughs> group I was working with had no idea what our goal was. Was right. pretty unclear on roles, and so. Um, yeah, that's why we think if you can do it every time, mm-hmm. it can start to have a pretty big impact. Yeah, and what your book is all about is building those habits so that they become things that you naturally think about and that pay off in the long run. So within each of the chapters for these habits, um, you have them organized organized around the CPAD method. So what is the CPAD method and how does it support team development of each of these habits? Yeah, so you know what's interesting is that there are so there are a large number of books written about changing your individual habits. Um, And a lot of them focus on, you know, how do you make a personal or professional shift to your own life? And there's some great methodology around how you make a change as an individual. We found that there was, there were far fewer resources for helping a team change their habits. And so CPAD was really meant to fill that gap to say, what would we do differently if we're not just trying to change the habits of one person, if I'm not just trying to change myself, but if we're trying to make a collective change to our team practices and identity. Um, And so CPAD brings in a lot of the research from individual habit change, but reapplies it to this team context. 
the first step is my favorite. I know I should probably have a favorite step, but um, CPAD is an acronym that stands for our five steps. The first is SPARK. And this is the idea that you can't just jump into sharing information and asking people to make a change. You have to make an emotional connection, right? So I think the Heath brothers write a lot about appealing to the heart before the head, the rider and the elephant metaphor. And so in Spark, we really think whether it's through a game or a funny video or something that helps people get out of their day-to-day thinking and experience and have a moving moment is a really critical to start with if you want to make a shift in a group because not everyone might enter with the same motivation to make a change. Mm-hmm. So the Spark is about inspiring. Why do we need to do this? And is simply saying we need to take time to build knowledge. We sometimes skip this step. We assume people know what we're talking about when we say something like psychological safety or project kickoff. And so aligning on what we mean and giving folks new information and resources to use. Then explicit time for practice. So in the book, there's always an activity you can do with your team to practice in a safe space before you take this back out to the real world. So you can role play kicking off a project, right? Or watch a video of someone leading a check-in so that you get comfortable and maybe make some mistakes before you go out and test it in a higher higher stakes environment. Um, Then apply the fourth step is just recognizing as many of us know from adult development theory that you need time to practice in the real world what you've learned and actually committing to try it. Typically we say the first three steps of spark expand practice might take 90 minutes in a session and then you have a few weeks to apply and then always coming back together for the final step of debrief which is about accountability sharing and really taking advantage of the fact that you have a whole group of people trying to learn together who can share what worked and didn't um, in order to understand what to keep doing and where to pivot moving forward. And we think that those five steps as a cycle really help to make habits stick. Can you share with us a success story that you um, have from working with one of your schools or districts where developing that habit or maybe even your own team Um, developing the habits has really leveled up the team's performance. Yeah, the the story that comes to mind first, and maybe because I just saw these folks, is we work with a district in New York, and they used to host um, every Friday their district cabinet meeting would go. It was scheduled, I believe, for three hours. It would often go three and a half or four. Not if this is familiar to anyone who's listening. Um, And they found, you know, most of the time, very few decisions were getting made. One or two people were talking. And so people left, you know, exhausted the long day and not feeling, you know, super engaged or inspired. And so they started using the check-in habit. Um, which at first, I think the first check-in we did, because it was a meeting of about 20 folks, it might have taken almost an hour to do. <laughs> um, because each person, you know, I think ha- was so excited to have a space to share. It turned into not like a, you said, I think, Lynn, one word check-in, it turned into like a 20 paragraph <laughs> check-in for each person. But now it's been about a year And they do check-ins, not just in their cabinet meeting, but in every meeting. And what's been so cool to see is in their cabinet meeting, the check-ins created a space for everyone to have talk time at the beginning of the meeting. And that's had a ripple where now the agenda is built collectively and people add their initials and the amount of time they need. So their meetings are shorter. There are more voices that are um, presenting in the meeting um, and people are leaving feeling like they've actually accomplished something. And it all started with that just small check-in habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how a little structure can just release so much uh, positive energy to, to do all this 
heavy lifting that we're trying to do in our schools. And so the, the framework really does provide a lot of opportunities for us as leaders to create those, those spaces. So, all right, well, we've talked about the, the habits. We talked about the CPAD method, the framework there. Um, our listeners are intrigued, so they need to go out and get the book. But what sorts of things could they expect to do before they actually have to launch this work with the team? And I think you've got a whole chapter on that. So tell us a little yeah, bit about those uh, ideas. We we absolutely think part of the important work you do before you start trying to change the habits is getting clear on why you want to do this and identifying one team to do it with. I think that was a big lesson we've learned in terms of admitting my own mistakes is sometimes there was so much excitement. We tried to change habits in every team across the district. So that same success story I shared with you, we, we tried to make a change everywhere. And what we found was it was helpful to start with one team to provide a proof point, right? So if it worked well in district cabinet, then principals were more willing to try it with their school teams, right? And the instructional specialists were more willing to try it with their curriculum teams. Um, so I think really identifying what's a team that you think could benefit from this, um, just as you both did, right? Maybe there's a team who could use some support with kicking off projects, um, and then getting clear on the why. And I'm really happy to say we actually have that chapter one as a free download on our website. So even before you get the book or order it, you can check that out and see what's, what some of the questions are you might want to ask yourself and your team. All right, great. So we've added lightning response questions um, a series ago, and the whole purpose is just to get some more resources for our listeners and for ourselves uh, to dig a little deeper into some of the ideas. So are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So first off, to kick this off, who's one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about team development? I think my favorite author around team development who also does a lot of work on individual development is Charles Duhigg. He wrote uh, Smarter, Better, Faster, Better, Faster, Smarter. I always get the words jumbled up and The Power of Habit. So I would start with him. He's like the godfather of habits. Okay. All right. Second question. If you were recommending one book to our listeners, um, what might that book be? I would say Fearless Organizations, which is Amy Edmondson's book. So a lot of those concepts around how do you build trust um, through a culture of safety and accountability. Um, I think she does a really nice job talking about how creating safety and trust does not mean letting off the gas, right? And lowering expectations. And how do you hold that tension as a leader? Okay. And last question. Is there an online resource or person from whom you learn regularly. Yeah, I really love um, Gustavo Razi has a blog called The Liberationist. And he publishes a lot about um, culture change, the meetings and practices you can use to help your team make shifts. And he has a free weekly newsletter. Okay, we will add those resources to our show notes. Thank you. All right, final question. So what's next for Kiara? What are you working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, um, I, we talked about this before the show started, but we have a new project we're doing in um, Mexico with Colgate Palmolive. So one of the things I'm working on now is how do you apply these team habits in a corporate setting? And then my goal is to steal all the good ideas and bring them back to schools and districts. So look for that coming soon in terms of yeah. um, what we learned from making change at large scale internationally. All right. So thanks so much for joining us today, Kiara. Uh, We have linked a variety of resources 
in the show notes, including those recommendations you just gave us. And each episode, we like to leave with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's questions, which of the habits will level up the work of your team? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season six, episode 18. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring an innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Kiara. Thanks, Kiara. Thank you.